Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today we are talking big things to look out for this preseason for the New York Knicks. Will Tom Thibodeau play the youth? What has R.J. Barrett added to his bag? How will Jalen Brunson change how the team operates? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. And I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, uh, normally joined by Alex Wolf, who's the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. You can check them out on all social media at thestrick.land, but he has a day off. So I am rolling solo to get you ready for the Knicks preseason debut tomorrow with the big things that I am looking out for. Number one, Will Tom Thibodeau crush our hopes and dreams? This is one that Alex suggested, so I wanted to honor him by starting off with this. Thibs tends to treat the preseason kind of like the regular season, right? Like, like it's, it's not really a dress rehearsal. Like, you'll all remember Julius Randle playing into the closing minutes of, of last season's preseason games. It, it's not to get the young guys reps. It's not even really to test out and innovate to a large extent. It. I think in his mind is to confirm to a large extent what he already believes about the team. And in turn, there are some uh, very logical questions of what does that mean um, in terms of how much he will play the youth, uh, how much he he will go outside the box and try and experiment a little bit. I mean, we've heard him talk about um, as recently as yesterday, um, trying to be a little bit more well-spaced on the offensive side of the floor, talking about, playing five out and he had this weird quote that everyone on Twitter is trying to make sense of where he said, we, we can play five out with Mitchell Robinson on the floor and Julius Randall can get some reps at the five. Does that simply mean that Randall will be the primary screener and Robinson um, will kind of play a role similar to what Nerlens Noel did a year ago where he's spaced out to the elbow or, or spaced out to the corner. Um, will teams respect or care if Robinson is or, or just kind of clog the middle as, as they always have. Um, when Robinson is on the court, uh, will Tibbs play Emmanuel quickly at the point guard spot? Because he had a quote the other day um, when he was asked about the point guard position. He said, you know, I love our depth there. I love I love having Jalen. I love having Derek. I love having Deuce. Not mentioned quickly, seemingly implying that he only considers him as a two. Um, on and on and on. Will Tom Thibodeau go outside of his comfort zone? I don't really know. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that he will. Um, I think he has to if this Knicks team is going to reach their full potential. Uh, my second big questions surround, or not big questions, I guess. I guess big things to watch out for uh, surround Julius Randle. What can we expect from him in terms of his on-court demeanor? He was miserable at times last year. We we always we always reference that. 
that Bulls win. But there, there were just so many stretches, especially on the defensive end of the floor, where he looked borderline disinterested, apathetic. Um, and he said all the right things this year. And, and this, this kind of ties into another one of those things to look out for because to me, his his demeanor and his activity level, um, there there tends to be a, a pretty direct link between those two things. And and when he when he's a little bit more up, when he's a little bit more engaged, he's he's playing with more pace. And he he said he said the right things in in, in that regard in this preseason. He said, um, I think this was I think this was yesterday. Um, he threw out the ball always moves faster up the court with a pass rather than a dribble. So at least for me, that's a point of emphasis. How can I advance the ball? Quick head, quick hit aheads, quick strikes to get the ball up the court. And if you flash back to that seven-game stretch where Randall easily looked at his best last season and, and he averaged uh, right around 30 points per game, 12 rebounds, six or seven assists per night, it was when he was bringing up the court and he, he was doing so with pace, whether it was off the rebound or or with him operating as the nominal point guard and attacking with, some verve. And that also applies when he's off the ball. I mean, what I like most about Randall last year was when him and Evan Fournier would get into their, their screening game. Um, and he could kind of like play a little like tic-tac-toe passing with Fournier where, where he would screen and then Fournier would give it to him. And then Fournier would come running around and Randall would hand it off to Fournier who would, who would bang a wing three. Um, you can run a lot of those same actions with Grimes. Um, and, and even with Fournier could potentially be a little bit more powered this year to attack off the dribble in those actions. Jalen Brunson brings an intriguing element with with his uh, specific brand of of stopping and stopping and of stopping and stopping, starting and stopping and, and stringing together multiple moves. Um, and and for Julius, for those things to work though, it, it's sort of like a wide receiver running down the field, even when they know they're not going to get the ball, but still executing their route crisply because it'll attract the attention of the defense. That's what Julius has to do. He has to run hard through every single thing he does, whether he's on the ball, whether he's off the ball. The the issue here is he he was saying similar things when it was working in February, but it just didn't last throughout the season. And I wonder how much of that was simply down to what kind of shape he was in and and what energy level he had to play with that kind of pace. But you look at what the Knicks are emphasizing, and, and you can you can tell because Tom Thibodeau and this coaching staff put it on a big poster uh, for anyone to see um, who, who was curious watching the Knicks uh, live practice during during media viewing uh, this past week. And uh, about four of the eight, eight uh, mandates that he had in there were all around were all around pace and, and all around playing quickly. And the Knicks the Knicks didn't do that a lot last year. They were the second slowest team in the NBA, which is stunning given their personnel that RJ Barrett I mean they have RJ Barrett who finished second in the league in fast break points they have Obi Toppin who was just about the most efficient player on transition opportunities in the NBA and nominally their best player Julius Randle is at least at least according to this podcaster far far better when he is on the run in a semi transition situation um and again it, it just it's just crucial that he brings a pace both on fast breaks and in the half court that everything he does is quick and that the ball doesn't linger very long. And then Jalen Brunson is an interesting element of that as well. And another one of my big things to watch because he operated at one of the slowest paces of any player in the league. And he, for large stretches of the season, ran an offense. Um, That was the only one in the NBA that was slower than the New York Knicks a year ago. I want to get into that in just a sec, but first, if you are hiring, uh, there's only one place in the whole wide world to go. 
you know them, you love them, you've, you've probably got a job from them, and that is LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for a small business. You want to be 100% certain that you've access to the best qualified candidates available. That why you have, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. They add your job and oh, well, all you have to do, rather, is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And uh, we wanted to remind you that if you want to uh, help people find out about your business, uh, you can do so via Locked on Knicks. Just shoot us an email at LockedOnKnicks at gmail.com. And uh, we can coordinate with you to uh, give you give you an ad read, uh, give you some time um, to present the best of your business right here on Locked On Knicks. But I want to pick up with our big preseason themes, uh, and I wanted to talk about Jalen Brunson and what the balance will be for Brunson in terms of facilitation versus scoring the basketball. Because I think in a lot of ways he's very similar to. Emmanuel quickly in this respect where he is score first, but he's also, he's also a very talented passer of the basketball and his ability to manipulate defenses often means that the most efficient look he can get is his own. But I'm curious this year, if, if the breadth of his skill, I mean, all, all that advanced footwork, that innate sense of timing, that soft touch around the rim, his ability to leverage himself as a threat, can that create easier plays for other people? And, and how will that blend together with an RJ Barrett, with a Julius Randle? And who is going to be the the guy who has the ball the majority of the time? And I think I think what we're hearing from Tibbs and seeing so far is that he wants an egalitarian offense. He wants there to be stretches where Julius is running things. He wants there to be stretches where RJ is running things. He wants there to be stretches with Brunson running things. And as long as it's quick hitting and fast moving, I'm completely content with that. Where I think this team could get into a lot of trouble is if it devolves into what it has a lot in past years, which your turn, my turn. And one of Tibbs' uh, great failures, I'll say, through two years and, and before him, it was, it, was a, it was a great failure of, uh, I mean, the, the, the myriad of coaches who, who had a hand in R.J. Barrett's rookie season is the, the lack of ability to synthesize any kind of um, chemistry between RJ and Randall and getting them to play off each other and actually, I don't know, uh, make each other better instead of operating in, in, in solo domains, almost, almost in, in different parallel realities laid out on top of each other, but never uh, intersecting at any point because last season, RJ and Randall were the Knicks 18th most used pick and roll combination. And to me, that's absurd. Your your two best players, if they're not both guards, and sometimes even if they are both guards, should be running a ton of pick and rolls together in the modern NBA. And I think that's, I mean, to circle back, that's part of the reason you hear Tibbs talk about having Mitchell Robinson um, not only trying to space the floor a little bit, because his presence makes it very, very difficult when you have have two players in Randall and RJ 
steamrolling towards the rim and then you have Mitch there, I mean, you're creating just a mass of humanity in front of the basket. So I think that was part of the logic. But if RJ is an improved shooter this year, if Randall, as promised, is an improved shooter once again this year, that can open up a little bit. And I I say that all to say, like, I think Jalen Brunson will have a a large hand in that as well. Like whether he's running a pick and roll with RJ, whether he's running a pick and roll with Randall or be simply spacing off those two guys, it's going to be on him as the Knicks, again, best point guard in, in nearly 20 years to, I, I just, to allocate touches to some extent. And I think I'm fascinated to see if Brunson has that maturity and, and understanding as someone who, again, in the NBA has spent a lot of time off the ball, a lot of times being sort of a combo guard. Like, does he have that within him? I think he does because he, I mean, you, you watch him play, you, you can see a very keen basketball mind in someone who is is just very, very adept at sensing what an offense needs and when. He just hasn't totally devoted that to passing quite yet. And I'm curious to see getting the lead role, getting his bag. Uh, can he bring that to the table for what the New York Knicks? But I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to cut back to the other um, guard. I'm probably most intrigued with on the New York Knicks this season. And that is Emmanuel quickly. And, I mean, I, I already noted that I'm, I'm kind of dubious about what kind of minutes he's going to get the point guard spot. But I'm curious if he is off the ball, playing off of Derrick Rose, how does that how does that further accentuate what he started to find last season where he got significantly better at finishing at the basket? Um, and, and he got, he as the season went along, he sort of rediscovered the ability to uh, draw fouls. This was a; these stats are from a fantastic um, Strickland piece uh, written by, I believe it was Arya for the Strickland. Uh, someone uh, we got we got to hit him up. I'd love to have on the podcast to talk about him. He's one of the better pieces about a Nick I've, I've read in a long time. But um, he he just kind of broke down the the depth to with to which excuse me Emmanuel quickly. Um, improved last year. And a, a lot of that came in terms of his ability to get fouled. I mean, post all-star break um, from, excuse me, from pre all-star break to post all-star break, the percentage of shots in which he was fouled um, jumped from the 54th percentile among combo guards to the 99th percentile amongst combo guards. And then his efficiency at the rim went from the 33rd percentile in the league to the 83rd percentile in the league. The question then becomes, how often can he get to the rim? And he was still, I mean, he, he went from probably about dead last in the NBA in that capacity amongst guards in the NBA to the 18th percentile post all-star break, which is still very, very bad, but not quite as bad. And I want to see him continuing to leverage what he's best at, which is scoring from the free throw line. And that means making a lot of runs at the rim and I'm fascinated to see how getting to play off of Derrick Rose again, where, where he's so excelled as a rookie and getting to attack defenses that are already scrambled, um, what that does for him, because he he clearly thrives when the decision-making landscape is simplified. Last season where he got in trouble as a passer is when he was being asked to manipulate defenses. And the difference there is, you have to, I mean, that it's kind of NBA finishing school, right? You talk about someone like Luka Doncic. That's what the best players in the league do. They don't take advantage of passing lanes. They make them. 
And for IQ, I think he was, even last year, his, his passing got better and better. He was still someone who mostly excelled when the defense was already in movement. And he said, all right, I can, I can bring this guy a step further out, or I can get into the heart of the defense and just wait a beat. And for a defender who was already sort of in anguish and, and caught in no man's land, I can make the right read and make the right pass. Can he start putting defenders in no man's land? That's a big next step for him. But getting to play with Derrick Rose, it'll be a little bit less important because Rose is already very, very good at doing just that. And then he can kick it to IQ and IQ can kind of just make the simple next play. And I think he's more than ready for that. I just wonder if there is an injury or if Derrick Rose is traded, has an off season of work at that. And, and I, I'm sure he has worked on that, not only because he is sort of the great worker on this next team, but given the playmaking leap he made from year one to year two, that feels like a very logical next step for him. Uh, I want to finish off talking about the Obi Toppin Emmanuel, or excuse me, the Obi Toppin Isaiah Hartenstein combo um, at the center position. And I want to touch on Cam Reddish. But first, I got to tell you all about one of our favorites here at Locked On Knicks. It's betonline.net. They are your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news and podcasts, and in depth articles, analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. With live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there, it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to betonline.net or use your mobile devices to learn more. I know the odds that I am looking at are the Atlantic Division. The Knicks are plus 6,600 to win. That means you can make a lot of money if they pull it off. I don't know if I'd go that far, just given that it would take so many injuries across the board to the Sixers, Nets, Raptors uh, and Celtics, but uh, you know what? You want to you want to go big? Uh, you want to potentially make a lot of money? Head to BetOnline.net to do just that. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. All right, we are back to wrap up this episode of Locked On Knicks. The next big thing I'm watching this preseason is the chemistry between Obi Toppin and Isaiah Hartenstein. Because I I think um, you pair those guys with the aforementioned Derrick Rose, Emmanuel Quickly, and one of Quentin Grimes or Evan Fournier, it, it has a chance to be one of the more entertaining lineups in all of basketball. But I, I, I've i said it a million times in this podcast, I I die for great big man passing. And and the possibilities of what Hartenstein and Obi can do are, are just crazy. Because Hartenstein is going to, be, is going to give Obi um, the opportunity to operate as the primary roller in the Knicks offense for really the first time in his career outside of the five-game stretch he had at the end of last season. We all saw what he did, averaging 27 points per game over those final five games a year ago. But that that is how he's meant to be used. That That's how he won player of the year at Dayton. It, it's when he gets to set that high screen and, and speed towards the basket on like pretty much any other big on planet Earth and, and finish with uh, ferocity and height in a way that Pretty much any other big on planet Earth can't finish. And that threat is going to bring defenses to their knees when the shooters you have around Obi Toppin are Evan Fournier, one of the best shooters on planet Earth, are Emmanuel Quickly, who could enter that category pretty soon, and Hartenstein, who, again, is not an elite shooter for a big man, but showed flashes of someone that at the very least you have to hover near towards the end of last season. 
And to top it all off, Obi's also a fantastic passer. So he can catch it on a short roll. And with the defense converging all around and trying to do everything possible to make sure he doesn't put them in the basket, he can spray balls out to shooters like quickly, like Fournier, like Hartenstein. And Hartenstein, the brilliance of him is that he can then make the next pass, whether it's swinging it around to one of those other guys, whether it's to Derrick Rose, who all of a sudden has a defense that is in absolute chaos at that point to drive in and go get a layup or just make the next pass, whether it's right back to Obi under the basket for a dunk. And then you have the possibility of just throwing it into Hartenstein and Obi being able to cut off him and and just being able to duck in for easy finishes. And Hartenstein is one of the best in the league from floater range. So five to seven feet from the basket, he is going to draw a whole lot of attention. And then defensively, again, neither of them are great defenders, but I like the combination of Obi's mobility, um, his his rim protection, which is is certainly better at this point from a help side perspective than it is in one-on-one, and Hartenstein's rim protection, where he's, he's, he's one of the better deterrents and allows one of the lowest field goal percentage in the NBA. I shouldn't even say he's one of the better deterrents because people challenge him all the time, but he's very, very effective at stopping them when he does. So I think defensively it can be a fit, and offensively those two could create absolute magic. And then the final thing I'm looking for, and, and I guess this, this kind of brings our podcast full circle because it's sort of like, what to expect from Tom Thibodeau, and that is Cam Reddish and and what to look for from uh, just how much he plays and what his role is when he plays this season. I have no idea what to expect on that front. I, 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 is he going to get 20 minutes a game in the preseason? Is Tibbs going to give him an actual chance? And to me, I think he gets an opportunity if for no other reason than, than Tibbs can say, see, we tried it. It didn't really work. And in Tibbs' defense, there just aren't a lot of minutes available for Reddish until Randall is traded or, or if Randall is traded. Like Alex and I made mock rotations the other week, and as much as we're up in arms about the idea that he's not going to play, I didn't have him in my initial rotation. And I guess that's to Tibbs' point that he is going to have to find a way to earn minutes. And, and, and to me, the guy it would be ahead of is ultimately Evan Fournier because Grimes is going to play. Rose, as long as he's here, I'd be shocked if he's not playing. So it's kind of on him to to knock Fournier out of the rotation. And given the amount of money Fournier is making, I find that really, really unlikely. And honestly, unless Reddish shoots the ball better, um, I'm not 100% sure you can justify putting him ahead of Fournier. But to me, the key to Reddish playing is, is sort of embracing everything that he didn't early in his NBA career. That his best role on this team and his best role to make a whole lot of money in this league is as a three and D plus guy and not as a primary option, it's using his wingspan defensively to kind of create chaos and create live ball turnovers and then turn those into easy buckets in transition and to create those artificial running opportunities that the Knicks don't get a lot of um, just off of their own. I, I don't know, like I guess coached in effort to do so and, and get a couple easy points a game for an offense that is desperately going to need it. And then on the other end of the floor, um, to just hit open threes at a high rate and to attack scramble defenses and make the next right play. And I think Cam was good in the sense that he he had the right intentions last year. I think he tried to play unselfishly when he was in there, but it's fully committing to that. It's cutting out all like or if not most contested pull up jumpers, pretty much all self created threes, 
and and just sort of taking the easy stuff. And he has the talent to, if he just does that, he, he can do things that no other player on this Knicks roster can at that size in terms of his ability to make plays defensively and to, to maneuver through very small gaps and get to the rim on offense. Like he, there, there's real value to Cam Reddish on this team. He just needs to show Tom Thibodeau that he knows what it is and, and almost sell Tibbs on that idea. Because I think if not, he, he is just not going to be part of this rotation to start the year. All right, guys, that is it um, for things I'm looking for in game one and throughout the preseason. What are you looking for? Uh, tell us on Twitter. Tell us in the YouTube comments if you haven't already. Uh, please, please, please throw us a subscription. Um, it'll make a world of difference. Uh, but until next time, I'm Gavin Schull. This is Locked on Knicks. Talk to you soon. Peace out.